Welcome to Audible Interlude, a G.I. Joe podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, codename Phantom Troublemaker. And I am your co-host, Noel Wood, a.k.a. Crapshoot. And I am the Cobra Trooper that replaced the melted butter with just oil at the theater. Codename <laughs> Legion Cub. Ew. Uh, so this is a special mission, if you will, where we are going to review Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. Uh, that's going to be the whole content of the show. But before we get to that review, I just want to mention a couple of things. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Audible Interlude Podcast and on Twitter at G.I. Joe Audible. And I want to mention that once again, we're having a schedule change. Uh the Audible Interlude podcast is going back to being available the first Friday of every month, uh, which means next week, next Friday, you'll have the newest episode of Audible Interlude available, where we have tons of San Diego Comic-Con news to cover, tons of G.I. Joe news in general to cover. Uh, and also, please check out the Needless Things YouTube channel. Uh, every day this week, I am reviewing a new G.I. Joe figure. I've got the three movie figures that are available right now uh, that I reviewed today. And those will go up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I will be reviewing the new retro stalker figure uh, that I didn't know that I needed until I saw it and realized that it is, well, just wait for the review. Uh, so now it is time. Speaking of reviews, uh, we all went out this weekend. We braved our local movie theaters, which, by the way, the first thing I want to say by way of review is I don't care if I ever set foot in another, another theater again. Uh, I, I don't. I'm just over the experience. I've got a 97-inch screen in my house with a projector. I don't need to go to a movie theater and be around other stinky, loud, rude people to experience movies. I am fine just watching them at home now because people are gross movie theaters aren't air conditioned anymore and everything the whole experience was just miserable you didn't have the same air conditioning same experience that i did because mine was very well air conditioned yeah i i don't know what it is the amc our our normal amc is always like five degrees warmer than i care for it to be i actually uh -huh. had to because i i had i just got off a five uh five day stretch so I went straight from work to meet the family at the theater and I knew I had to bring a change of clothes because if I wore my work clothes into that theater, I would have just sweated my ass off. So I, I went to the movie tavern and it was quite, it was quite comfortable. In fact, often a little bit chilly if I didn't move around every once oh, in a while. I, my only drawback so was that I spent almost a hundred dollars for two people to go see the movies between <laughs> tickets and uh, an appetizer, two meals, and one soda to split between the two of us because movie, yeah, movie theater food prices. I forgot how ridiculous those are. Not even booze. No booze. No booze at all. Oh, it was, no. just we, just just a diet coke or movie Pepsi. tavern used to be our spot, and I always felt like like it was a little expensive, but it wasn't crazy expensive. Uh, but maybe it's crazy expensive now. I know things have changed. Uh, what about you, Christian? Where did you have your movie theater experience? Yeah, I saw it at the AMC at Disney Springs. So I kind of had a great <laughs> I would imagine that's one of the nicer AMCs out there. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, this is the first time I've been back to the theater. Um, okay. And I have to say, 
I was really shocked at how many people were at the theater because I thought most people are yeah. used to just watching the movies at home. Um, but no, this theater was very packed. Mine was uh, almost empty. There, well, were... there were a lot of people at the theater, but not a lot of people in this movie. Wow. This For my showing, it there was there were people in every single row but every single row wasn't necessarily completely full if that makes okay. sense yeah that's when i had to pick my seat i was like ooh thank god i'm by myself because it's slim pickings in the good areas i believe cuz we the the amc we go to um has assigned seating mm-hmm. which i love it's it's one of the reasons we go there and uh, I think once, like, they they had a seat between sales. Like, we had three seats, and we had a seat on either side of us that was empty. So I think it's pot. And I noticed around the theater that it looked like it was that way everywhere. So I oh. think once you purchase tickets, they automatically block out the seat on either side. Oh, ours ours didn't because no, they I didn't do that at movie tavern either. But I, I had someone sitting to one side of me and then the other side, I had a seat and then yeah. other people. Uh, but overall, not a I just I'm, I'm over. And I hate to say this because I feel like the theatrical experience is very important. But my gosh, I'm just over it. I, I, and it's the people. It's not the theater. Obviously, it's just the people. Well, and also the it being a little too warm. But we have other things to discuss tonight <laughs> and we got to get to them. Yeah. Uh, we are going to review Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, directed by Robert Schwentke, who also directed The Time Traveler's Wife, which I have not seen, Red, which I have seen and I thought was awesome, R.I.P.D., which I watched about 20 minutes of, and that's all I have to say about that, and then a couple of the Divergent movies, which I, I don't believe I've seen any of those. Uh, but going into this, I hadn't even looked to see what what else this guy had done because it, it didn't it didn't matter. All I knew was it's a director whose name was not immediately familiar to me. So for me, the appeal was going to have to be this is a GI Joe movie. Yeah, I'd never seen anything else that he had directed. It was he's a, it was a complete first timer for me. You haven't seen Red? You should see I, Red. I've not Red seen is Red. Good. Red is good. Uh, it was written by. Evan Spiliotopoulos, uh, who has varying credits on Hercules, the version with the rock in it, Beauty and the Beast, Charlie's Angels, and he directed and wrote The Unholy, uh, and co-writing credits to Joe Shrapnel. And, Which is the best name ever. <laughs> yes. Well, especially for a G.I. Joe movie. Right. Well, it well, uh, should be a, a Transformers movie he should write. A, uh, yeah, well, right. Movie. Uh, and then Anna Waterhouse, who I could not find other credits for, but Joe Shrapnel has already been hired on to direct a, or to direct, to write a sequel to this movie. Uh, which I'll go ahead and spoiler say, I'm okay with that. Uh, mm. 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 So uh, what do you guys think? Should we... Should we just drop an overall up front and then talk about the movie? Or are we doing we... like a thumbs up, thumbs down? Are we doing like an out of 10? How are you? How are we doing that? Uh, I, I think it's okay to just say <clears throat> if, if you want to give it a score, if you want to give it a thumbs up, uh, how, however you want to do it, uh, and then we'll break it down. But coming out of the movie, 
for me, uh, I liked it a lot more than I expected to like it. There were so many things about it that pleased me, and we'll get into those. So overall, uh, I am giving it a a thumb and a half up. <laughs> That's my score. What about you, Christian? Um, so I infinitely loved this more than the other two G.I. Joe movies. Um, I think the casting was amazing. Uh, everybody fit just perfectly. Yes. Um, uh, is it a perfect movie? No, but it is so enjoyable. Like I will actually watch yes. this again. Um, so I, I, yeah, I give it a thumb and three quarters. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll get into it. My, yeah, yeah. my, my, my main issues actually are with some of the scripting. There's some dialogue things in there that, that took me out of the movie, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just a fun ride from start to finish. I, I I definitely enjoyed it more than I disliked it. I would say if I'm doing six, if I'm doing a ten, I'm saying six six and a half out of ten. So maybe a thumb and one of the digits of my next thumb. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I I I did have some. There were some things that took me out of it for a second every once in a while, but nothing that just like ruined the experience for me. Um, but I thought everybody did a great job. Um, there were a couple casting decisions that I was kind of like, I'm not sure if I'm sold on that, but it's only because of my bias towards GI Joe. So mm. it's a whole different, uh, not saying that they weren't necessarily good in the role. It's just, it's, it was a bias thing. Uh, but overall, like I said, I did like it more than I disliked it. And, uh, I think, I think we're all kind of in similar boats as far as that goes. And the most ringing endorsement that it's gotten that I'm aware of so far is from, uh, my wife who went with uh, my, I, her and my son. We, we all saw it together. Uh, my son loved it. But my wife said I had planned to go in there and take a nap, and it kept me awake the whole time. So, oh, wow. I mean, that's that right there. That's pretty strong. Wow, she my was wife better. Loved it. Oh, go ahead. No, oh, no go ahead. No, oh, I was gonna say, say my wife loved it. She said she had no problems with it whatsoever. And, you know, she's she likes G.I. Joe, but she doesn't know a lot of the the the, the back. she doesn't know anything about the comics really she knows from the cartoon and just from you know from us having a bunch of gi joe friends but she was like i loved it i wouldn't change a thing the your wife is better than the guy that was sitting next to me oh no did he pass I, out I, I i chalk it up to anytime you see a movie on disney property these people might have come from a day at the theme park <laughs> just to get in the cold air yeah so when the snoring started i, oh. I kind of had to do the <clears throat> because <clears throat> i didn't want to poke him but i was just like yeah. and he woke up and said buddy can you stop clearing your throat <laughs> right <laughs> uh so now that we know where we stand i think it's time to sort of break the movie down a little bit and you, you guys both mentioned the casting to me uh what and and i enjoyed the story of the movie uh but the characters are what carried it most for me uh and and i gotta say I, my favorite character was tommy oh yeah oh yeah oh, wow yeah 
I know I, I I felt like he was the most sympathetic character in the entire movie. He I I, I totally agree with that. Um, he and that's not to say anybody else was not good. I just right off the bat, as soon as you realize that that's who that is. And you realize that when he first shows up with, he's got that beard and he's dressed like kind of a scumbag, but then you flash back to the comic and in the comic, I remember Tommy. Now I don't remember him having a beard ever, but as far as the clothes, I remember him dressing like that. Like, it sort of hit me like that tacky shirt and the suit jacket and everything. I don't know. It just seemed right to me. And as the movie went on and we got to see Andrew Koji more and more, I, I just really loved what they were doing with this character. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I loved his performance and his part in the movie. Christian, I, you seemed surprised. Well, I started out liking him. But he is one of the characters that I kind of had, like it didn't ruin the movie, but that I kept questioning things and liking him a little bit less as the movie goes on and on and on. Not anything that, um, I feel like it's directing choices. That There were a lot of times where that the, the quick anger was just maybe a little too over the top i was having flashbacks to the speed racer movie um a reference i do not understand oh sorry sorry <laughs> there's there's a uh koji in the the speed racer movie when his dad is he's one of the other racers at higher speed oh is uh, he he's in speed racer no but they look the, oh, okay. the guy that plays tommy could be brothers okay um but Whenever Wait, they have the a character's scene. name, Koji, yeah, so, that's the actor's name that plays Shadow oh. is Andrew Koji. That's why. I, oh, that's funny. That's um, why I was confused. So he, when they have him get angry, it's completely calm. To blah, 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 I'm hitting everything. Like there's no, there's no buildup. And so sometimes I think that Tommy was just a little. They were directing him to just be a little over extreme from where he was in the scene before but they did address that that he had problems controlling his temper and and, yeah. and that's even what led to his name which by the way real quick i gotta say i'm glad i remembered this because i forgot to put it in my notes but i thought of it while i was watching the movie um what is the more ridiculous scene where snake eyes takes his name from those dice or where han solo is given his name by the imperial officer <laughs> Which one is more preposterous? Oh, the dice. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. It's uh, the the solo thing. The solo thing was way worse for me. Yeah. Because I, I, didn't, I, I didn't need to know why Han Solo's name was Han Solo. There's a reason that Snake Eyes calls himself Snake Eyes. Yeah. Han yeah. Solo, as far as I was always, always believed for 30 something years, was, was, was born with the name Han Solo. Right. Right. Because we, as we know, he has a brother. <laughs> Named was Sal Thracken Solo, not, not anymore, I guess, because yeah. they've ejected that. But uh, so, uh, and and looking back at the time as that scene was occurring, I thought it was ridiculous. But now, in hindsight, having seen the rest of the movie and sort of, I guess, the tone of it, 
that scene doesn't seem as ridiculous. But at the time, I was just like, oh, come on. What? Give me a break. But well, I don't mind it either because they go back to it. It's Yes, yes. It, the yeah, dice it, are important. They, right. they play a role. Much like the dice uh, in, in Solo. Solo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, th- that won't be the last time we talk about Solo, by the way, no. during this review. <laughs> okay, oh, good. I'm glad we're on that page. Help me uh, now. And and speaking of the characters, oh wait, I went too far down in my notes. My notes are a mess because I had to write them as they occurred to me. Uh, so other characters, let's talk about. Uh, do you think that? And, and and I guess real quick to run down for the listeners, uh, if you haven't seen this movie, I I recommend you go see it. I think we all recommend you go see yeah. it. Don't don't poo poo this movie and just think you're cool because you're like I'm not gonna go watch that Snake Eyes movie. Go watch it. Check it out. If you hate it, fine, but don't rob yourself of the opportunity to experience it and enjoy it. Uh, but we are gonna be spoiling the movie uh, throughout this review. And just real quick, uh, Snake Eyes uh, is a child. His dad is very clearly some kind of person in hiding. Uh, and gets murdered in front of his eyes. Uh, he, years later, is fighting Mojo Raleigh in a fight pit. <laughs> um, that's it's the ex- most I've ever liked Mojo Raleigh, by the way. <laughs> he did a great job. As a matter of fact, I would, I would not be disappointed if he went on to play like Road Pig or something in a later movie. I think that would be fine. Because when he picked up that sledgehammer, I was like, hmm, that looks right. Uh, and uh, gets recruited uh, by... Tommy to work for the Yakuza and it turns out it's not the Yakuza it's Tommy's expatriate Arashikage clan member Kano Kenta 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 why did I not remember Kenta the famous wrestler <laughs> um and uh there, there's this whole twisty turny thing I, I really enjoyed all of the and, and G.I. Joe Another thing that I really loved is that they established that G.I. Joe had been around for a long time. Snake Eyes did not start G.I. Joe in this. He was not part of the inception of it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, it turns out later in the movie, his father was a Joe. To me, uh, this is a new telling of what we know of G.I. Joe. And they carried it off successfully enough that I'm not worried about it. You know, as I was watching the movie, I was thinking, is this new version of Snake Eyes story good enough to warrant not being the version that we know? But as the movie went on, it wasn't even about, is it good enough? It was, was it interesting enough? And was there enough there to carry the franchise forward for a new generation? And the answer to me ended up being yes. How did you guys feel about how they changed? I mean, this is, completely different from what we know of snake eyes well i kept thinking you know you have to modernize it you know there's there's no way that snake eyes origin can can be tied into vietnam right like like so if you're going to update it uh, yeah i i feel like the way that they went by not having it tied in to a specific war or military moment was smart because now you don't have to worry about constantly changing which war 
he was in and whether or not it makes sense. Well, and, and the thing is, the movie opens with 20 years ago. Well, 20 years ago, it was 2001. What right. would he even oh, yeah. have? I mean, and, and, and he was a child then. He was, what, maybe eight, nine, ten years old. So later on you know, 10 years after that in 2010 what war is he gonna be in like it just you you can't you can't keep carrying that forward and we need a different kind of life to lead to this character that we have known so long or you make all the movies a period piece that take place in the 80s or whatever and, and i understand their desire to not do that because yeah to successfully carry gi joe forward and to continue this franchise, it has to sort of move beyond what defined it in the eighties. Um, and, and I, I think, I think they've, they've come up with a good way to do that. And, well, and they are not necessarily ejecting that eighties era GI Joe because, <clears throat> because they established that the organization has been around for a very long time. I give the movie right. mad props for not feeling like they have to overly explain who or what G.I. Joe is. Yes. It is, they are assuming that the people coming into this movie either already know or they want to know about Snake Eyes. Here's this other group and we can fill in those blanks later. We're going to give you some little, little crumbs along the way and and that to me was the best way to handle it. Well, they it tell may- you all you need to know because they say they're a, a global counterterrorism unit, the good guys. And really, yeah. that's yeah. all you need to know about GI exactly. Joe up until that point in the story. Um, going back to the whole war aspect, like yes, Snake Eyes was a commando, and so I know that there's a lot of people who just are really upset that they're not that they're that they're playing into the ninja thing. Here's the thing, Commando Snake Eyes doesn't appeal to the the same audience that Ninja Snake Eyes does. Absolutely. So tying really the ninja thing being the main part of his backstory, the martial arts aspect of it, just or just being a fighter in general over the commando aspect, I completely understand for this for this time period, especially considering that a commando, just like you said, really has to have excelled in some sort of combat. And we don't really have as many opportunities for somebody who is of his age to have served in as much combat over the last 20 years. I mean, you could adapt some of the conflicts we've had, but I just don't think it works as well with today's audience. Um, the, other story, the other thing is, too, yeah, we'd all, all of us Joe fans who read the comics back in the 80s would love to see Larry Hama's original story be fleshed out. But you can't tell that story in 90 minutes to two hours. It's too complex. There's too many characters. There's too much at stake. And so, you know what? Maybe if they did a mini series or something later on down the road, it might work. But for this movie, I thought what they did was just fine. Um, there were some there were some aspects of it I wasn't sure about, but overall, I thought that having that origin where he watched his father get murdered, he meets up with this yakuza guy later on, winds up joining this this clan. It's it's what it needed. I did wonder at the end of the movie with with some of the the script and dialogue issues that I have that we can get into later, what would happen if they brought someone like Larry Hama on as a script consultant? Not as someone who, oh, you wrote 
the the bios and so we're going to be married to this but as someone who was in the military has a familiarity with these characters to be able to say i see what you're trying to do here maybe also try this maybe it's you know this character would do that not necessarily this character again not for him to make it like what we grew up on but when you have someone that that knows that property inside and out would it help just i don't know some of those character things well do that, you have that, a specific instance of what you're okay well yeah so one of the there there are a lot of of moments throughout the movie that were given to akiko was that her name yes mm-hmm. uh that I I understand from movie tropes why we need to have these moments between Snake Eyes and a female character. But to me, my brain kept going, these are moments that should be between Snake Eyes and Tommy because this would show us that brotherhood bond that I don't necessarily feel like, like I'm getting that feeling that, yeah, they're close because they worked together, but I don't feel that complete like he saved his life well that actually goes into my like, biggest gripe my first gripe of the movie is that i didn't get the the feeling they did know each other very well yeah because the first time that you see them interact is 30 seconds before snake eyes is being told to kill tommy and they're like well where where is the like this is the first time that they've interacted together well, this was, and I think this goes back to, which, by the way, the reveal, the twists and turns in this movie were, one, better and more than I expected, but so well executed because the reveal that Snake Eyes is working, well, first of all, the fact that he's Snake Eyes through the whole movie and we never get a name or anything is fantastic. And they give you a reason for it. It's not yes, just yes. Yeah, they you, you, don't just dance around it, right? Um, but the reveal that he's working for Kenta to infiltrate the Arashikage clan is awesome because when he hops on that motorcycle and drives to downtown Tokyo or, or whatever it is, and you're like, "How does he know where he's going? What is what is this? What's he doing?" And then he's meeting this guy. I was I thought that was so great because it one it was a cool reveal. It was, there's more going on than what the audience realized. And two, it was, there's more to snake eyes than the audience realized. And it makes you look back and realize that everything was set up. Like him meeting Tommy uh, was planned and him saving Tommy's life was planned. So uh, it's, Oh, how do they know each other? How are they so close? That was the whole point is that he goes in, he saves his life and there's that debt because of that. And then Kenta even says like, how did he respond to the whole, I saw honor in your eyes. Oh, he ate it up. Like I, to me that established that. And that, and that did change a little bit once we got to that part when we realized, okay, there is a reason why he's yes. Why he's saving his life at this point in time, other than I'm not a murderer. Uh, which, which, knowing, still, I, I still would have liked a little bit more. I did think the movie started uh, the 
the first act goes really fast and just really hard into the whole story. But I would have maybe liked about five more minutes of interplay within those two, more of him working, you know, slicing up fish and throwing Uzis inside, which was a nice little touch, it being an Uzi that he was throwing there the first time. I needed a little bit more of that before we really got into it. And because it it starts moving really, really fast. And and see, I was okay with it because I I felt like it – that that was their bonding experience him saving tommy's life and then the fight after that because i would rather see for this kind of movie i would rather see these two guys broing it up fighting ninjas getting 67 katana stabbed through the cab of a truck which by the way that was awesome uh i would rather see them bonding that way than by having a conversation just but but, but not even conversations for for me the so they establish that akiko doesn't trust snake eyes he's a stranger there's little scenes throughout all of the the training periods uh, or the tests where sin the head of the arashikage clan which, Does by it, the way, is she supposed to be the soft master, or is she just totally? No, she's uh, she's the head of the clan. The same they actually had the grandmother as the head of the clan too in the comics as well. Okay, I to. I couldn't remember completely. So no soft, the soft master just isn't in this. No, no soft master, which I was a little bit disappointed in. But I mean, eh. you know, you got you got hard and you got blind. So, but there's enough times during all of that where she keeps where she even makes comments like, "Oh, you're, you know, I." you messed up Akiko because you're trusting him. You're doing this. You let us down, but there's never any fallout from it. And I feel like if it was Tommy that had some of those scenes, like, like, Oh, I, I saw snake eyes going up this pathway. Let me see what's going on. Like, so when you have those, Ooh, we're not trusting snake eyes, but we're not going to question it as much because Tommy sees something in him. Instead, we're getting, Akiko, but everyone's looking at Akiko going, you're letting us down. But I think think that's part of the story because one, if Tommy had seen all of these things, I think they would have had to go a little bit differently. Uh, But Akiko, they established that she is also technically an outsider, even though she's part of the family, she's an adopted part of the family. So, but she's also the head of security. She has, but she has, her own personal issues with how she thinks the family sees her. And I think that is also the, while she's suspicious of snake eyes, I think that is also her longing to have a bond with him. And I think that's a a good and important part of the story. Whereas Tommy, if he had been the one to catch snake eyes doing this stuff, I I don't think he would have been as, I don't think he would have let it go as much. Well, and, that's, and yeah, that's the thing. It, but it might have made that scene, twist, which he was wouldn't, a he wouldn't have, Yeah, because he's vouching for him the whole time. If he's catching him doing stuff, he would not he, be in he that wouldn't position. Be. And the scene where Tommy realizes that Snake Eyes has been betraying them wouldn't have been as powerful if he Fair had enough. been seeing little hints all along. I, I think, I'm not saying it was perfect, but I do no. think it kind of had to go the way that it went. Because the, as the, the audience, last... as the audience, you feel for Tommy when that happens. Oh yeah, well no, I felt for Tommy the entire time, because 
he's really doing nothing wrong until right. the last act of the movie and really just the well, end of the last then, act of the movie. Even then, you understand why he's doing what he's doing. Right, right. I still wish I, she was Jinx instead of Akiko. There's no reason why she yep. shouldn't have been called Jinx, but, but that's neither here nor there. Couldn't she and, be? She well, during the Toby? fight, she could have lost her sight, and then there you go. Well, she's not. She's not blind. No, Jinx isn't blind. She just. Likes I know. Blind. I know, she's, but. Yes. <laughs> um, but so, the but the other script thing I had, and this was the biggest. Part. Oh yeah, yeah. So the one that really took me out of the movie, and it's sort of like a payoff at the end of the movie is, once it's revealed that Snake Eyes is the traitor, Sin says to him next time i see you like we're we're defeating these bad guys however she says but she goes next time i see you i kill you myself like he's but absolutely 100 betrayed their trust given the weapon to the enemy the clan is being wiped out because of him and then somehow throughout all of the fight that goes away to the point of okay well we trust you here's a suit uh here's your uniform you're now in a Rashikage. there's no dialogue there's no payoff of any sort of hey we changed our mind we go from i will kill you which i think is is great sort of leads to that outsider experience and i was all for it to Yep, we have to make sure that you end up with an Arashikage signia <laughs> by the end of the movie. So we're just going to do it. And I felt like they needed someone to kind of say, eh, if you have the head of a clan saying, I will kill you, eh, they're going to stick to it, I feel like. By the way, did you not see the symbol until Tommy takes his ring off at the very end of the movie? Isn't that the first No, it's because it's on the stone that they uh, press down it's on that as well and and it may well be in other places around the castle i i didn't catch it but i'm not saying it wasn't there but i the first time i saw it was on the stone that he steps on to be for the third trial okay yeah i was just expecting to see it more and it wasn't until he took off his ring and i was like well there it is in plain sight and until you see it on snake eyes's arm again at the end of the movie i was yeah yeah that was the only times i really noticed it uh, to address what you said, Christian, I'll just say this, that I wasn't bothered by that sequence of events, but that you may well be right, and I'll have to watch it again to to see if if I feel the same way. But to me, it was just he he earned his way back in by helping them defeat the bad guy and by saying that it was his life's mission to reckon to find and reconcile with Tommy because they care that Tommy is is this has gone rogue essentially they they are upset by that so that to me that's how i took it but if i watch it again thinking wait did they really justify this then maybe they didn't um i'll i'll go back and i man i really do wish this was available digitally right I, I yeah i really would have liked to watch it again before the review yeah second showing and the ability to take notes because seeing it in a theater i wasn't gonna you know just right, sit there right. typing things on my phone or You're writing gonna, on what kind of jerk would sit in a theater <laughs> with their phone on the whole time is the point i was making earlier. Uh... um 
So uh, yeah, you, uh, Christian, I think that that's potentially a very valid point. It just didn't bug me because I was so caught up in everything that I was just like, yeah. The the only thing that bothered me about the end of the movie was this guy with his magical firepower, which let me just say loved the fact that there's just straight up magic in this movie. They didn't shy away from mystical, magical stuff. It's there. It's This was an episode of the cartoon. We're in. Bingo. I totally (laughs) thought that. Yes. Giant anacondas and... (laughs) Electric motorcycles. Like, the first time we hear the motorcycle and it just goes... Like, I kind of laughed, but then I was like, well, no, of course, these are supposed to be high-tech stealth motorcycles. Of course, they're going to be like silent electric motorcycles. Why wouldn't they be? And that, like, one of my favorite things about seeing the Arashikage compound is that, yes, it's this traditional, you know, Japanese uh, dojo. And then they've got, like, this technology room yes. where they're sitting there, like, yes. you know, scanning faces and, and running through, like, FBI. So it's like, yeah, it's well, a great dichotomy between and, those two things. And exactly. Tommy even says, you know, we we work hand-in-hand hand with the Japanese government. To, they're basically like Japan's CIA. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says, you know, we've had to change with the times and update the way that we do everything. And I love that just that little quick line of dialogue explains why they're building, you know, super sci-fi motorcycles in this ninja dojo. Right. It's great. <laughs> I, that, that works for me because that's G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, so Augustin, uh, the, ba- the, the kind of the main bad guy, really, even though we only see a little bit of him, but he's the one that murders... Uh, snake eyes father and right at the beginning of the movie he comes across as like a cobra agent even though he's not identified as such until the towards the very very end uh did you guys think initially that he was supposed to be any specific character because i was trying to figure out who he might be i didn't think he was i I just thought it was a big wasted opportunity like his name could have been sebastian well, I, but I don't want him to be made. Well, but he gets away at the end. And that's okay. Another point I want to make. I love the fact that nobody, aside from Snake Eyes' dad, who has to die to start everything off, nobody dies in this for no reason or, or to, to illustrate the stakes or whatever the case may be. Like they don't kill off Baroness. They don't kill off. They didn't even kill Kenta. Kenta oh. even gets away. Like I love that because it drives me nuts when a movie kills the bad guy for no reason. Uh, I, I really liked that. Uh, so Augustine was just a, a cool mercenary Cobra agent type guy. Uh, let's see here. So at the beginning of the movie, the camera work for the fights was really bothering me. They were, it was that shaky, like in and out in the face, moving around to where, it looked like there was this great fight choreography, but you couldn't tell because the cameraman was had had too many cups of coffee. I did think some of the yeah some of the shot choices they were zoomed in too tight. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To. Uh, but by that same token, at least for me, it it added sort of like a sense of what 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 like my eyes don't know where to look like there must be so much going on so right. it didn't bother me all that much but i i see what you're i do see what you're saying um 
Well, and as and, and and this may just be my mind again. I wish I could watch it a second time. Oh, I will at some point. It seemed to me that as the movie went on, and as that we got into more elaborate ninja-centric fights, the camera work, the style of shooting the fights changed. Mm-hmm. Because I don't by the end of the movie, I feel like we were getting a steadier focus smoother cuts so i almost wonder if that first fight with mojo was meant to be more visceral and desperate than later fights in the movie and they make the comment when you said you're a good fighter but you're a little unconventional maybe that's kind of tying into that like yeah you know this is this isn't this isn't polished you're you're not a ninja then he doesn't really do any ninja training to speak of before becoming a ninja. <laughs> well, here, but here's, here's where my brain, because this is an important point for us to discuss. The traditional snake eyes that we know is adopted by the Arashikage clan when he's a child. And that's how he knows martial arts. Well, he's not a child. He's out of the army, in the, at least in the, the Hamaverse. So he's, you know, he's an adult when he joins. Oh gosh, I'm mixing up my continuities, huh? Yeah, he's you know they did the child thing in the other live action movies, but oh no, is that supplanting Hama in my head? Now? <laughs> Perhaps so. Good lord! <laughs> I mean, weren't they all kids and non really? It's funny you say that because I was actually trying to explain to my son why Snake Eyes was disfigured in the comics and initially I couldn't remember because I I haven't read. I started rereading. Mm the comics uh, a few months ago, actually. And I just got stalled out because I just don't have time to read right now. Uh, But it took me a minute to remember he's actually rescuing Scarlet from an exploding helicopter. So like he, he is an adult, but that's what disfigures him and takes away his speech. Um, So, okay. So actually I even feel a little bit better about that part of the movie, because in the movie we have to accept that this character and again, a little bit of dialogue gives it to you where Tommy says, I know what you do. You travel around the world, you get in these fights until people won't bet on you anymore. And then you move on. So right there, it establishes that this guy is one of the toughest and best fighters in the world, because this is his living. He goes from place to place unbeatable to the point where people are like finally realize oh well he can't be beaten like i love i feel like that's a clever way to establish and and again in the 80s ninjas were cool kung fu was cool martial arts were cool in 2021 mma is cool so he's more of a sort of mixed martial arts guy which i'm fine with but i still wanted him to to get that discipline ninja training. I would love to have seen more scenes of that because, or, or even an illusion, if it's a montage or something, or just like six months later, even a six months later or something like that, because I've like, he arrives all of a sudden he's taken on the three challenges. And now all of a sudden we're supposed to believe that he's well, but here's, here's another thing that I think the movie did very cleverly is when we go into the three challenges, we think like, this guy's not a ninja. How is he going to get past this stuff? But then the three challenges turn out to really have nothing to do with being a good ninja. Right. Like, and I thought that was very clever. 
the way they handled that, especially that first challenge. That was so much fun to like realize what they were going for with that. And I expected more of that with the second and third, and then the second one with the with the fireflies. Magic, and, straight yeah, up magic. They go they go right to the magic at <laughs> yes. that point. And then yes. with three, it's it's. I wanted to see Cobra Commander back there with Dude, a snake. That's the thing is, is they went like all right. So the, the we'll we'll go ahead and talk about it. The third trial uh, is three giant snakes, and that scene just absolutely charmed the heck out of me because. If I had been watching this movie in like 1984, 1985, when I was a kid, I'd have been all into the action, all into the fighting. Everything would have been cool. And then that, like 80s movies, that would have been the scene that scared the heck out of me and scarred me as a child. Because those snakes, like it was like an 80s movie, like the 80s kids movies that always had at least one scene that was genuinely terrifying that like scarred you for life. This to me was that scene with those giant snakes. I loved it. It was great. Yeah, it, it felt like much like the magic in the movie. It would have absolutely been the G.I. Joe cartoon. Yes. So they found a way to take elements that would have been in the cartoon, translated into the real world, but it wasn't absurd. Like you, you bought into it that the Rashikage clan has these giant anacondas. Yes. Like it, it, uh, and, it was, I thought it was great. <laughs> and that pit was very clearly an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah, I got the Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark feeling, and there's a, little, there's a little Harry Potter in there too. Yeah, That's, yeah. <laughs> which, which, by the way, came out what like 20 years ago? Is that accurate? Yeah, the first Harry Potter movie Yikes, came out 20 years ago. We're so old. We're gonna <laughs> when, when Snake Eyes was a mere like child watching his father be murdered. Right, right. I'm sure he was a big Harry Potter fan back in the day, so I'm sure that appealed to him being in a, in a pit of snakes. <laughs> so uh, what else have we got here? Oh, okay. So we get Larry Hama walking through the alley, which make, is making his Stan Lee style cameo. <laughs> <laughs> they, and they just they hover that camera on him and oh, he is just yeah i loved it he is so happy to be in that scene yes <laughs> yes it was great I, and the fact that they gave him that respect uh i i just thought that was fantastic that made and it me felt like something out of so blade happy. runner like yeah. it really i was watching that scene like this this feels like i'm watching a you know yeah ridley scott movie and and well and then we go into that alleyway fight that is mm-hmm. awesome and i love tokyo like all the scenes in Tokyo, especially all the ones in like the alleyways and stuff. It's just, it's so, it's like, it's so bright with all this neon and these alleyways and like air conditioning units everywhere. And it just really feels like it's, it's like tight and kind of like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah, That's exactly the word I'm looking for. And yet big, because we've seen the rest of the city around them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and you mentioning earlier about the shots the fight scenes at the beginning uh, my brain was clicking I, they had a big open space right in that warehouse and the outside and we had a very claustrophobic camera shot then when we get to the alleyway fights we have these wide shots if you notice like we had back. 
But yet we're in these claustrophobic spaces. So I'm really starting to think that that was a deliberate choice to keep us in that intense kind of of moment. Yeah, I I I think so. I think, and and again, and I'm probably going to say this a dozen more times before we're done. But on a second viewing a lot of this stuff is really going to click a lot of the intent of the filmmaker and the camera work. Uh, I, I think I, I've, I'm excited to see this again, because I, as we're talking about it and as I'm thinking about it, I'm realizing like just how well put together this was versus how haphazard and, and sort of, well, let's just cash in on this IP. It could have been right. And and with the the alleyway in, in that first Tokyo City fight scene, I squeed when they lifted the lid to the crate, and there was the cobra oh, symbol. But yeah. the camera did not like zoom in or linger on right. it. It was literally it like let it, 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 it it's yes. on this. So what? And I just felt like, oh, I I love it when we can have an IP driven movie where they're not talking down to us. Yes. Right. Like we don't have to spoon feed you. Oh, look, it, it just is. And that like, I literally ah, in the theater squealed <laughs> like a little girl. Well, let me, and, and that's, I, I elbowed my son and like pointed, I was like, Oh, look, look, look. And what I love is that uh, try and imagine if you were just watching this movie and didn't know it was a gi joe movie and then that crate had opened like imagine that feeling if because that's impossible in this day and age there's literally no way we would ever be able to experience that but imagine how amazing that would have been if you're just sitting there watching this cool ninja flick or martial arts flick or whatever, you're like, oh, this is pretty entertaining. I like this. And then that crate opens and it's a cobra symbol. And the thing is, though, that even though we knew what we were watching, we still got a little bit of that feeling from seeing because we had gotten that far in the movie really without any references mm-hmm. to G.I. Joe or Cobra. Yeah. Uh, and then that crate opens and you see that Cobra symbol and you're like, Oh, that's right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Not knowing how much deeper we're going to get before the movie is over. Uh, that's, which- and that's one of the things I, I did love was that, yes, they, they do dive into the GI Joe and Cobra thing because you have to, because it's a GI Joe movie, but we didn't get beaten <laughs> over the head with it. It wasn't no, no. like I was, I was really afraid we were going to get too much. It's kind of like, going back to another star wars prequel uh like rogue one i thought was a great standalone movie until we get to all the stuff that ties so closely into episode four because i'm like eh, it's all just a little bit too much at this point i didn't need to see the i, I know people awesome, love it. i didn't need to see the vader stuff and i didn't need to see the leia stuff i wanted to see something awesome, that was a completely separate story i agree as awesome as the vader scene is the movie would have been better without it uh but yeah this like really and, and it and that's one of the other things i loved about this movie it didn't jam too many characters in no uh it didn't just throw people in there just to have <laughs> familiar names like we didn't have 
leatherneck and airtight and barbecue running around doing <laughs> stuff. They they selected a few. Well, really, two. Just two. Because Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes, you have to have. And then Baroness completely makes sense because she's the representative of Cobra. And wow, is she the best Baroness we've seen? Yes, I I need a Baroness television show now. The backstory they give for her could have come straight off her file card. I don't know her file card from memory, but as far as I know, that might be what her file card says when they're describing all of the like chaos she's sown and the like, Oh my gosh. So good. And then the actress, um, Ursula, Ursula Corbero, Corbero, who is just sinister and sexy. Yeah. Just nails she's it. Perfect. She's so perfect. Not, not tied. Her story isn't tied to a guy. No. There's no, uh Oh, I've been programmed, you know, yes. like it oh. is just straight up. She's she evil. is evil and yes. she revels in her evil, but it never crosses over into camp. Like yeah, you just, you know, out I there wanted somewhere. her to put a bullet through my head before the movie was over. <laughs> I was like, you are just so amazing. I, if you need to kill me, kill me. You know, out there somewhere, there's a Cobra commander and that she is his right-hand person. Yeah. Is the only, like, she's the only one that matters because she's the one that's personally going in and overseeing this. Yeah. And and so she was fantastic. And then on the other side, the only other specific character that we get is Scarlet, uh, which I'm a huge fan of Samra Weaving. I think everything that I've seen her in, she's been incredible. Uh, And her... Her scarlet is so dry that you need to put on lip balm after watching her performance. <laughs> I love but the first time we meet her is so perfect when she's oh, in the bathroom yeah. and she's just yeah. like sets up the, the the sets up the cell phones like just watch me kick these guys ass. Give, give me just a minute. I've got something I've got to take care of. And it was very look, it was very Black Widow, but yeah, fine because honestly, what but, better? Yeah, thing you needed wrong. that for this. Yes. Yeah, and you're you're, you're trying to establish this character right off the bat, and that's the way to do it. And yeah, I thought we got the Scarlet that that we should have. Yeah. There there yeah. was no like there was no doubt in my mind. I, I wasn't making any any excuses like the earlier Joe movies, like, oh, okay, well, movie versus different. She was Scarlet. And, and there's no overt up, romantic stuff too, either. No, either with no. her or Akiko. There's there's like a hint that maybe Akiko has a crush and they even kind of allude to that but it's nothing there's nothing that's overt like you don't you're not expecting to see like the guy and the girl get together at the end of the movie dude i'll be honest at the beginning of the movie i almost thought that it might be a tommy and snake eyes thing going on well yeah i mean it's they (laughs) they have the best romance of the movie Uh, yeah absolutely and then the heartbreak at the end uh but uh, i also really quick as a we're all toy fans here so i've got to say once we see Scarlet in action in the movie, her uniform is pretty colorful and pretty darn toyetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm very interested to see what that figure ends up looking like because the online photos didn't look as colorful as what we see in the movie. So I'll be interested to see how that turns out. But again, you can check out the Needless Things YouTube channel all week long, and I'll be reviewing Baroness, Snake Eyes, and Storm Shadow.
And something I I, I want to point out about Baroness and and this was a is a, a production note that maybe not a lot of people notice, um, but in our introduction scene to Baroness, she is wearing these stiletto boots that perfectly suit the character, right? And in my head, I'm going, oh no, this is going to be another example of she's fighting, she's doing all this stuff. And then when we get the wide shot, she's wearing stiletto boots and it doesn't make sense that she's gonna, it's just how my brain is wired. But then when we get to, when we see her again, she is wearing normal sold boots. Yeah. Like she knows she's going into a combat situation. So again, I feel like that's a detail maybe not everybody notices, but it's something in other movies with female characters that always pulls me out. And I was like, they thank you for, for taking on that little, as minuscule as it might seem, it makes it more believable. Yeah, absolutely. And the Baroness figure has the sensible shoes. So oh, nice. <laughs> much easier to stand up than a lot of action figures that I have. A lot of female action figures I have. Uh, all right. Well, we've got to, we got to wrap this thing up. I want to run down our character list and we'll talk a little bit about each character. Uh, obviously, obviously our headliner who we, we really haven't talked about a whole lot. Henry Golding plays snake eyes, which by the way, I'd like to note snake eyes not hyphenated in the movie, not in the title, anything related to the movie, including the action figure. Snake eyes is just snake eyes. The hyphen is gone. Uh, Henry Golding plays this character. He's, he's charming. You like him. Uh, I, he's, he's great. He's, he's a lead guy that you follow through the movie and what, but what's so good are, as the movie goes on, you find out like he's not a squeaky clean guy. Uh, his he's he has to earn his honor over the course of the movie, and I thought that was fantastic. I didn't think they took it a little bit too far. I did when he actually did go steal the the jewel. I was like, I don't know if you need to if you need to push him that far. I but realized we, that you you did it to set up to the plot. Get, right, we had to get to the point where he finally gets the opportunity for his revenge and he realizes that everything that he's been through has gotten him to a point where he doesn't want that. Re he, he understands how hollow that revenge would be like, and, and I'm with you. I agree that him actually stealing the gem, the, what was the sun the sun gem heart of this i don't know i can't remember what it was yeah, called. i don't it was, remember it either. was very mcguffin the, name the, the, yeah. the sun mcguffin the sun um, mcguffin but, um, but but he has to to get to where we need him to be it has to happen uh, and yeah. he's said, charismatic I, enough that i wanted him to succeed yes. and no no point was i thinking i don't want him to steal that every attempt that he made i was sitting there going Yes, get take it. Like I know he's going to betray them, but well, and that's and that's that's again where the movie was so successful because I felt the same way. 
I was like, ooh, I want his story to keep going. I want him to have his whatever he needs. I want him to have it. But at the same time, I was feeling like, what about Tommy? How is Tommy going to feel when he See, finds out about I this? About Tommy, <laughs> I thought he was a brat. I know what Tommy. Was I, I like all the other masters. I didn't want anything to happen to them, but I was like, oh god, Tommy, go away. Oh no, <laughs> I love Tommy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, okay. the accent kind of faded in and out a little bit. <laughs> it did. It did. I noticed that. <laughs> Every but, once in a while, his his what, Australian is that right? He's uh, British Malaysian. Okay. Well, so, yeah, every was... once in a while, that accent came back in, but I don't. I don't even care. What? Well, and here's the thing: is since his father died, he has presumably been traveling all over the world. Yeah. So, and, th- and that's what I wrote off to. I was like, he's been right. around the world. He's he's. He I'm sure he picks up on these things. Have that. So that's not even. Uh, you, that's fine. Uh, the, the only real quick. The only other thing about about him that I wish the script had not done is: Are we really to believe that in all these years that he's been alive, he just now realized what those dice do? He's not taking them out and played with them at well, any he point. Well, he didn't have them. He didn't have them. He was giving them. He uh, didn't in the have them act. until Kenta gave that's, them to him. Okay, yep. that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, after, I, I that's stand, like, well, listeners, I stand corrected. Because yeah, that was, that was happened, essentially was his like, first what? reward. Yes. Yeah. So that I forgot that. Yep. And and that was again, looking back, we realize that Baroness was just giving Kenta all this stuff. Yep. Like it was all a setup. It was, it was so, uh, man, I can't wait to watch this a second time. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we are already know I love Tommy. Andrew Koji was awesome. I just loved looking at his face be expressive the whole time. And his, his angry eyes were so good. Like <laughs> if you look back at Storm Shadow, the original figure, the cartoon and the comics he's those angry eyes are his defining characteristic under that ninja mask and man koji just had him they're yep. so good he's yeah definitely my favorite performance in the, in the entire I, I i felt like mrs potato head was just constantly saying don't forget your angry eye <laughs> uh he i loved him uh akiko played by haruka abe or abe i'm not abe. sure uh I, she was awesome too. Every scene, every time she was on the screen, I was fixated on her and her spectacularly unique haircut. <laughs> uh, but she was bad. She was badass. She was tough. She was cool. But she also played, like I was saying earlier, um, even though she was part of the Arashikage family she you could see every time she spoke that she still felt like an outsider was never secure with herself or with her place um and that she was always trying to prove herself which is why she was so suspicious of snake eyes rightfully so it turns out yep uh i I thought she did a fantastic job in this role uh and and you had mentioned like why couldn't that have just been jinx and you're not wrong but but other than that how'd you guys feel about akiko Oh, yeah, she was great. Yeah, I thought the actress was great. Like I said before, I think some of the character moments between her and Snake Eyes should have been Tommy and Snake Eyes. Um, I disagree with you guys somewhat. I think that the flirting and the sexual tension was 
was very overpronounced. That she definitely, it's why she was was making mistakes with Snake Eyes. Like why she was in her head making excuses for him. And again, I know why movies have to do that. It's just sometimes it makes me go, ah, I wish we could have had something else other than swooning. Well, and it did seem to come more from her than from him. One, yes, 100%. Which which was an interesting sort of flip because usually it would be the guy being the macho like, "Eh, don't you like my pecs lady? And And it wasn't in this instance. It was more her being intrigued by henry golding because i mean look at him. man well and i got that he actually opens up to her a little bit more and it's probably because of the whole we're both outsiders yeah thing. absolutely so and i think that's that that is why she you know some of it's romantic but a lot of it i think is just because they have something in common yeah so that's and that's why she jumps in and saves him from the anacondas is is not just the crush as it's pronounced but it's more you know they there's something there she she trusts him even though everybody else doesn't quite yet because those anacondas did want some yes Uh, we've i think we've already covered baroness ursula cabrero definitely one of the highlights of the movie fantastic evil can't wait to see more of her uh samra weaving is scarlet again i think we kind of covered her well enough uh hard master eco Uweas. this is my only problem with casting he was okay he's too young well he's too young but he was great he yeah. was good i just i couldn't get past his appearance i know he, he looked like a, he a, looks like rob schneider <laughs> yeah what no oh my god he kind of did he kind of did yeah no he kind of did i I had problems taking him seriously because and and this is what i was saying earlier my only real problem with casting because only because i know the hard master from gi joe and i I wanted him to be well and wouldn't you think the hard master would be older though yes absolutely like so uh, yeah i i but I, you know what? I can't say anything because he was so good. He was yeah, good. I, I, the, I, yeah. I would have liked an older actor, but he was so good. I can't complain. He, he did the job well. Yep. And you know what? Who's to say that the you know, hard master, I would imagine, is a title. So who's to say he's not a hard master that took over from the last hard master three years ago? maybe because i would imagine the that makes me feel bad for whoever takes the place of blind master (laughs) (laughs) you you stole you stole my next line (laughs) so are you saying we just blind everyone every few years to be a blind here's your initiation the the last one was the rizza and uh this one was a whole lot better well dude rizza like the giant (laughs) snakes but get ready i I love look i love wu-tang clan i have a wu-tang tattoo right here on my arm I love Wu-Tang. RZA, one of the worst people <laughs> I've ever seen act in my entire life. Oh. Um, the, Peter Mensa as Blind Master. Not, well, he's great in everything, so exactly. no surprise. But in this, dude, because he's there are a couple of fight scenes where he is sort of standing in the back, and you're just waiting like, oh, he's about to really wreck somebody's day. 
when is this going to happen? And then he starts throwing that chain out and just wrecking people. He's awesome. He's great. And his, um, the, the dinner scene where, uh, mm-hmm. where snake eyes is like, why is hard master staring at me? And, and, uh, he's like, Oh, he's not staring at you, but blind master is. And a uh, blind master holds up the drink and it, Oh man, it's so good. So good. Peter Mintz is phenomenal in this. And again, doesn't get killed. We don't have anybody who's sacrificed for stakes. And well, I yeah, was expecting I, it. I was well, the hard master you think is going to go if you're look if you're looking at traditional G.I. Joe lore. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Zartan's gonna show up at the end and, and shoot him with a crossbow or Which something. Which could still happen. happen. We don't could know. still happen. And and honestly, if if they do wait until whatever the follow-up to this might be for that to happen. It's it smart happens. because now we care about this hard master. He's mm-hmm. been established. We like him. We've seen his awesome scene where he's just sitting on the floor waiting for these dudes to come in. And he's like, do you guys really want to do this? All right, let's go. And just wrecks everybody. Like, Did you, did you catch the really, really terrible joke, though, right before the first challenge when Snake Eyes calls him the hard-on master? Oh, and well, I, oh, I missed it. I, well, I was, I was like, it took me out of the movie for a second. I was like, why did you go there? On the, on the one hand, I agree with you. And towards the end of the movie, Baroness drops an F bomb and I didn't care for that. I, I, I love that because time, it's a PG 13 and you hilarious. get one. Right. It's a PG 13 movie. You get right. one. And, and that was the best place to do it. Do it. Yeah. Like she's evil. So that's fine. But you, and, and it's a perfect way to get her out of the scene. Yeah, right. it He's wasn't like, like a gratuitous what, what am I doing with this? These yeah. this these are my enemies. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. It was it was <laughs> like it it worked. But I you know, even the hard on master thing honestly didn't really bother me because this snake eyes has been out in the world. He is chatty, he is uh, uh, like it didn't strike me as something that this character wouldn't say. So it really didn't take me out of the movie. I I don't know that it was necessary, but it didn't bother me. I don't know. It it bothered me. It wasn't necessary, and I just didn't feel like it added anything. Uh, well, yeah, it didn't really add anything. I mean, he could, he could have said he could have said a hundred different it things was, to insult him, but that it was, was unnecessary. But it didn't bother me. Uh, all right, uh, Blind Master Peter Menzel. We've already talked about him. Awesome guy. Everything he's in, he's great. This was you're just waiting for him to unleash every time you see him on screen. Uh, Sin, uh, played by Ari Ishida, very cool, very yep. uh, dignified and respectable. But again, they do this thing where we're all educated in movie tropes, so as we're watching this movie and we're seeing this, this older lady, you're kind of wondering like, well, she's the head of this ninja clan. Like, is she, is she good to go? Like, what are are we going to see something from her? And then at the end of the movie and they wait, they make you wait. Finally, at the end of the movie, she just is taking people out. It's awesome. (laughs) She's got her fan, dude, that fan. fan. Uh, She's just like, just cutting throats dude oh man (laughs) i love it uh and then finally kenta uh takahiro hira who 
just sinister bad guy did did yeah. what he needed to do and i think the high point of his character for me was his joy at finding out that he could just disintegrate people with that gem like if you watch him while he's using the gem's powers he is having a blast he no loves that he can just disintegrate people <laughs> i really like and he's not he it's it's like this uh, we look we don't use profanity here on audible interlude a gi joe podcast uh but i'm going to make an exception right now i'm going to say that but because of takahiro hero's performance i feel compelled to say this he does he reacts exactly like you would expect a complete shitbird to react <laughs> when he gets power he is so happy to be able to just blast people and you see it in his face every time when he's blowing up the 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 castle the arashikage castle he's just delighted he's like i've never been worth anything in my life but i can totally just set stuff on fire now and i love it like that actor was having the best time with this character. You could tell. Uh, well, although that does bring me to my biggest problem with this entire movie. End of the movie. Um, Kenta's army is invading the Arashikage compound. And he's setting everything on fire. We get these long shots of the castle burning all of the surrounding village and whatever else burn. Everything's burning. Everything is on fire. And then we get all of these scenes of Snake Eyes and his buddies running around in places that are not burning. <laughs> Did you guys <laughs> notice this? <laughs> uh, I didn't really pick up on that. No. Yeah. They, they, go, I... they go and get weapons from a place that's not burning they go back to the like the main the main little dojo where they meet with uh, Sen every time. Not burning. Like they go all of these places that are not burning, even though the movie has just shown us that everything is burning. <laughs> so that that created a little lack of continuity for me. Oh, it does remind but me. I, don't, it's, it's I also don't care that much. Completely off top of that, does remind me. There's a lot of people that die in this movie. There's not like. The only drops of blood you see are when Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow become blood brothers. There's like yes. there is yes. no blood in any of the and, in any of the violent scenes. And you only see that blood because it's critical for the plot. Right. Yeah. Because he uses Storm Shadow's blood. Well, he's not Storm Shadow at that point. He's Tommy. He uses Tommy's blood to get to the magical Sun MacGuffin. Which is great. Because again, <laughs> you think Snake Eyes is not the virtuous person that you want him to be throughout this movie. You see that scene between him and Tommy, and you think, my gosh, he, he really is making an effort here. He's really bonding with this guy. This is an important, emotionally heavy scene. But then he looks at that handkerchief, and you're like, wait, why did the camera just linger on that handkerchief and then later on you find out oh he's being a jerk again <laughs> darn you snake eyes what is wrong with you can't you just be a nice guy and he's he's not and I, that's one of the things that kept me so engaged through the whole movie is the way that it flipped the script 
on Snake Eyes being the dirtbag and Tommy being the virtuous, honorable guy. Yeah. It it really did that that flip helped me accept the changes that they made to Snake Eyes character into whatever this iteration of the G.I. Joe universe is going to be. It made me realize they're not doing what I'm familiar with, but what they're doing, they're thinking about. They're considering, they care. So I'm along for the ride because I want G.I. Joe to continue. I want G.I. Joe to be a viable property going into the future. I want it to engage people who are young now and who 20 years from now will be wanting G.I. Joe to continue and be something new in 2041. Like, that's where it really hooked me in was, my gosh, they figured out a way for the thing that I love to keep going that that invested me as much as anything else did this no go ahead I don't have this a go ahead. Said, we got uh, we got uh, bring, bring it home this handling the movie by giving us just a few characters and and as much as this is an action movie it is character driven. We yes. get to know these people. We get to care about them. That gives me hope for this property moving forward. Like I am even more eager now, even though it's separate people doing it for the Lady J series. Oh yeah. Because yes. it's, you know, we, I don't think we need a movie where you're trying to cram in all these other characters to do fan service when they don't get to really do anything, give me two or three and give us this, this character world building it, that, that is so much better. And I thought you know the number what? defined characters was the perfect amount. Like I said, I would, I, aside from like Jinx really, there's no other like named characters. I'd like to see actually have a pretty decent part in the movie. Um, I mentioned I'd love to have that to have been major blood or something else. It's just an just an Easter egg like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I didn't I didn't need like, but he's not a developed character. You didn't need him to be a developed character, especially Correct. now that he's now that he's gotten away. Maybe we'll and see him in a later to say movie. He's not major blood. It's true. It's and true. But at thing. that point, you're just retconning, and we don't necessarily need that. Five years from now, once we've gotten, once we if, if five years from now, if we see this Snake Eyes and whatever this Lady J is, and whatever they do between now and then, and then they come together Avengers-style for a big multi-character movie, how much more impact is that going to have for us? We love Henry Golding now. We love, you know, Tommy. We love Andrew Koji. Like, when these characters do eventually meet, which I gotta imagine that's what they're working towards at some point, it's going to have so much more impact than if they had just jammed a bunch of characters into this movie. Right. Right. Although I, I do say that's very ambitious and also very optimistic oh, sure, because sure. with our box office receipts <laughs> I, yeah, this weekend, know, and I'm really worried about getting something else. Well, and I, I wanted, I've been thinking about that quite a bit because there is a lot of niche properties that I am a huge fan of. Uh, Gem and the holograms being 
one of them to the point that in 2006, I hosted a gym convention in Orlando. I remember when the trailers for the movie and all the talk for the movie came out, how the gym fandom was reacting. And, and it sort of reminds me of how the GI Joe fandom is reacting. Yeah. And you know what guys, 100%. If you don't like something and don't support it with your dollars, that it's totally fair. You shouldn't have, you don't have to like something just because it has GI Joe on it. But this notion of if we don't support this, they see that we don't like it. Therefore they're going to go back to the old way. That's, nope. that's yeah. not, nope, reality. not how it works. Nope. What, what you're showing them is there is no interest in this IP. Yep. Right. So we're just going to, change it again they're gonna, until they're gonna, we find something that interests. they're going to keep the ip going the way they want it to keep going if you want it to keep going period you need to support it now said the transformers movies made tons of money and i hate all of them except for probably bumblebee but uh they're they're making money and because those movies make money we get really awesome transformers toys right. and new yep. series every few months and, and that's the thing is if there's interest in the IP, then they're going to keep mining the nostalgia version of the IP. It's why we're getting the retro stuff, which I've got a lot more to talk about with the retro, but you're going to have to tune into the next episode of Audible Interlude to hear about that. Guys, we got to wrap it up. We've yep. already given our overall scores for this movie. Uh, so at this point, I think we've just got to say we all had a blast. We're all anxious to watch it a second time to really take in all the detail, all the little things that they did. Uh, but before we go, we got to talk about Christian. Where can we find your figure photography you on can Instagram? Find, you can find me on Instagram and Flickr under Legion Cub. Noel, the finest. Tell us about it. Finest is an international costume group that uh, is uh, raising money for a great organization called Canines for Warriors. Check us out at your next convention. And, uh, of course, you can catch the Needless Things podcast every single Friday, unless there's a new Audible interlude, in which case that will be the Needless Things podcast for the week. Uh, you guys, thank you for sitting down talking about Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. We will be back next week with an all-new audible interlude a gi joe podcast in the meantime please check out the needless things youtube channel for reviews of awesome new gi joe figures noel christian thank you guys this was awesome yo joe Okay, we're back because Noel had some nuggets, had had some information that we just had to get out there. Please lay it on us. So Crap shoot, go. One one problem I have with the movie, and I don't know if you guys shared this. Uh, when I see a, a when I see a an origin story movie, and I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about Solo again because with Solo. I got way too much Han Solo backstory and I don't need that. There's just, there's just, there's a point where I was like, I don't want to know this much about the character, but 
there's defining things about a character. And in an origin movie, I want to know about the most important defining feature of a character. And the fact that we were kind of promised we were going to find out what happened with Snake Eyes' voice. And we don't know at the end of this movie. Were we, though? Uh, from everything I was seeing, including things that Larry was saying early on, we're gonna. It, it'll be revealed to us why Snake Eyes doesn't speak at the end of this movie. And so when we're when we're getting the the point where he's when when he's firing the magical gem everywhere, I'm like, okay, he's gonna he's gonna I, hit okay. Snake Eyes. I Snake thought, Eyes yeah, gonna he's gonna I become disfigured. Granted, you don't want to cover Henry Golding's beautiful face, so I don't know if they're ever gonna make him disfigured because that doesn't necessarily have to be part of his character. No, at but this he's, point, it doesn't. But he's silent. That's that's a defining characteristic of the character. And with Bumblebee making this fantastic movie about a character who doesn't talk, you can clearly do it. I, you know what? I got to say, by the end of this movie, they had earned this version of the character enough to the point where I really don't, I don't need him to have the not speaking burned up characteristics i i i don't i'm i'm and and this may make me a gi joe heretic (laughs) but i'll tell you right now if they do make follow-up movies or they do make the avengers style gi joe movie that i'm hoping for uh i i don't i don't care i don't need because i i will always have my larry hama version of snake eyes my sunbow version of snake eyes I'll always have that to go back to. This is a new Snake Eyes, and if it's just Henry Golding and he's just awesome, I I'm okay with that. Christian, I, I'm uh, oh man, I kind of feel bad for saying this, but I'm with Dave on this one because they made me care about the character. That by the end, I I figured that is a story for another day. And if he keeps talking, because the one fear I did have, because this is with like almost every new movie since like Iron Man has come out, is during fight scenes, characters have to make quips and be sarcastic. I was was afraid he'd be Deadpool. And he wasn't. Like during fight scenes, he doesn't talk. He got it done. And so I, it never really sank in that he... It's supposed to be silent all the time. Yeah, so I that's that's two that's two for I'm so sorry. Don't no, care. No. One I, for shut him up. I guess you guys are the slaughter and I'm the nodder this time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have anything else? No, that was my main thing. I said that was I, 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 I was expecting that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I was, was too foregone conclusion that the movie would end with a scene yeah, where Snake yeah. Eyes is now silent. So it I, doesn't have to be disfigured, but needs to be silent. And when it didn't happen, I was I, I actually stuck around even though I had already seen something that said there's not an after credit scene, right, waiting for an after credit to scene end, to yeah. explain it. Which, by the way, for the listeners, if you have not seen it yet, and for some reason you've listened to us talk about it, there is a, a early a credit scene. Early credit scene. There's yeah. no post credit scene. Right. Uh, but yeah, and, and look, no, I was the same way during that whole thing with the because why have a fire gym if you're not going to blow up Snake Eye's face? I was the same way. I was expecting it the whole time, and then when it didn't happen, I was like, you know what? That's fine. Whatever. 
it, I was okay with it. Yeah. All right. There you go. Uh, you guys <laughs> tune in next week, wherever you find your podcast for an all new episode of audible interlude. Yo, Joe. Cobra. <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to a Needless Things podcast. You can follow Needless Things on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and at needlessthingspodcast.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.